I read the story of a young Navy officer the other day. He, he, was, given, uh, he was given his first opportunity to show his stuff, and he was quite excited to do it. And so he was given responsibility to get the ship away from dock, out of the harbor, and into the deep water. And so on that day when it arrived, he got up eager, got his uniform on, went out and began barking orders. And as he did so, the people began to snap to, and they began to perform at a a very high level. In fact, he was able to get the ship out of dock, out of the harbor, and into the deep water in record time. He was pretty excited, feeling pretty good about all that he had accomplished. And then another seaman came up. He had a, had a note for him uh, from the captain. Well, when he first got the note, he looked at it, and he was a little surprised that it wasn't in the captain's handwriting or on his personal stationery, uh, but instead was a typed note that had been transcribed from a radio communication. And this is what it said. My personal congratulations upon completing your preparation exercise according to the rules and with amazing speed. In your speed, however, you forgot one of the most important things. Make sure the captain is on the ship before you leave. Sometimes when it comes to gathering around this table, um, we forget how important it is. It was one of two things that Jesus told us to continue to do, to baptize and to celebrate this supper, this meal together. And so it's a significant time for us, important for us. Now, I don't know what your tradition is. I grew up uh, in a tradition that celebrated uh, communion every single Sunday. Uh, After I was baptized, I was able to, to take the bread, and I was a little disappointed my grandmother had always sat beside me when I went to her church. And because she didn't want me to feel left out, she took little pieces of juicy fruit gum and she'd cut it in the perfect shape, those little rectangle shapes. And so when the plate came by, she'd give me the piece of juicy fruit. So on the day that I actually got to take communion for the first time, I was terribly disappointed because that wafer did not taste at all like juicy fruit. I grew up with that. Now, when I became a teenager, you know, we see some of our, uh, some of our teens are there ushering and, and they'll come up and help with the offering and things like that. We got to be what we call junior deacons. And uh, basically that meant we got to hand out bulletins. And, but we got to help with, with communion, which was a, a big deal for us for a while. But we were teenagers. And so for us, we began to convert things around and instead of it being a sacred moment, we made it a competition. You see, there were two teens and there were four grown men. And what we determined was we wanted to finish our section first. And so instead of thinking as the trays were passed around, this is the body, this is the blood, what we were thinking as the trays were passed around is, hurry up, hurry up, hurry up, come on, come on, so snap to it, come on, get, get, get that tray over here so that we could get finished before they did. Lost all its significance for me. Became a competition. I pastored other churches where Lord's Supper was seen as an addendum, something attached on to the end of the service, but really didn't have significance. In fact, by that time, every, it, was hitting mid, it was hitting 12 o'clock, high noon, and people were eager to get out. And so it was like, okay, let's get, let's get this done. When we started Grace Fellowship, I was determined 
that the Lord's Supper would not be something that was merely routine, nor would it be something that lost its significance as an attachment to service. And so as you're a part of these services we've had, especially since we've been able to move into the building, um, you've noticed that when we take time for the Lord's Supper, it's not just at the end of the service as an attachment. We want to take the time to consider the significance of this table, the significance of these elements. Why are they so significant? Well, the bread... The bread represents, symbolizes for us the body of Jesus Christ. Now, why is that important? Because Jesus Jesus came to us in skin and bones. He came to us as a baby. You know, it's pretty neat to be able to walk around and see some some of the babies that are around here as the parents proudly hold those new babies, how precious they are. We, we sometimes lose the significance that at one time Jesus was like that. Small, fragile. And yet he was. God sent his son to us in that frailty. In that humanity. Not in disguise, but actually fully God and fully man. Son of God. Son of man. And when he walked on the earth, his feet got dirty, just like ours do. And when he worked in the carpenter's shop, I'm assuming, i I got to use a little sanctified imagination here, but I'm assuming that it took Jesus a while, just like anybody else, to get the habit of swinging a hammer. And you know, when you're trying to develop that habit, sometimes you miss your target. It wouldn't surprise me that Jesus had splinters just like we get splinters. That Jesus had a sore thumb every once in a while too when he missed. He was flesh and blood just like we are. It's significant. It's one of the things we remember here. But not only was he born that way and lived that way, Jesus died that way. There was a tradition once Christianity was just getting rolling that tried to take the humanity away from Jesus, who tried to take the body away from Jesus, and who said that when Jesus went to the cross, that it was actually someone else, it wasn't Jesus. Or that Jesus actually, you know, miraculously came off the cross, and what was left was some kind of a husk. Listen, when Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane agonizing, Asking his father, if there's any way to have this cup pass from me, let's do that. He was agonizing over two things. One was the spiritual separation that he would experience as he took the sins of humanity upon himself. But the other was the physical anguish of going through all that he knew was coming. Not just his arrest and betrayal, but the the beating that he would take, the humiliation that he would endure, and the crucifixion that he would suffer. He bodily hung on the cross. It was a real cross with real nails. And there was a real death that took place. Jesus said at that supper, this is my body. It's significant. Why is the cup significant? Depending on your tradition... 
you use grape juice or, or wine, the importance is that it's the fruit of the vine. <laughs> it comes from the grape. But as we look at it, we see this dark red color. Jesus said this is the blood of the new covenant poured out for the forgiveness of your sins. The Jewish people were very familiar with, with the blood. And, and in fact, that Passover service, that Passover service recognized the blood of the Passover lamb. And many of you know the story. As God was preparing to release his people from bondage in Egypt, he said as the last and final plague that the angel of death is going to come over Egypt and the firstborn male of every household is going to die. But he said, because you are my covenant people, what I want you to do is to take a lamb without spot or blemish, a perfect lamb, and I want you to sacrifice that lamb and I want you to take the blood of that lamb and I want you to put it on the doorpost, on a threshold around that door. And when the angel sees the blood, he will pass over that home, sparing it from death. When John the Baptist saw Jesus coming by the Jordan River, he shouted, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. What he was saying was that Jesus is the Passover lamb. Now for the Jews, the lamb was sacrificed every year on Passover. Another lamb would have to be sacrificed on the Day of Atonement for the sins of people. And yet Jesus is the once for all sacrifice. No other sacrifice needed. The temple is no longer needed because the blood of Jesus Christ took care of our sins. And folks, when we take this cup... When you hold it in your hands, when you look at the color, remember, this is my blood, the blood of the new covenant, poured out for the forgiveness of your sins. And though it was a sacrifice of Jesus, as you taste it on your lips, it will be sweet. What we receive is sweet. But the price was high. You see, here at this table, two things come together. Grace and mercy. And if you have your Bibles, I invite you to turn with me to Ephesians chapter 2. We're going to look at the first ten verses. Would you stand with me and honor the reading of God's true and holy word? As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature objects of wrath, but because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in our transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us 
with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace, expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved, through faith. And this not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Father, may this word be precious and sweet to us. May we understand it, and may it change us. In Jesus' name, amen. You can have a seat. God loves us. And that love is expressed in two of his attributes, mercy and grace. I think as we approach this table and recognize that grace and mercy meet here, it's important for us to understand what those two terms mean. Some of you have a pretty good working knowledge. Some of you have heard these terms for a long time. Some of you maybe have just heard these terms that are brand new to you. What does it mean? Mercy. Grace. The mercy of God is this, that he does not give us what we deserve. I am so grateful that God does not treat me with pure justice. If he did, I'd be in a heap of trouble. Because of my sin, I deserve death and eternal separation from God in hell. I know that sounds harsh, but did you, did, you, did you see what we just read? Before we were in Christ, we were under the wrath of God. Now, God is a good and loving God. Don't get me wrong. But God is also holy. And he's just. And he must punish sin. Now that's significant for us in this. That when Jesus went to the cross, he took our sins upon himself. He who knew no sin became sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God. There's this great exchange that takes place on the cross, that takes place through faith. When we believe in Jesus Christ, God switches things around and he takes our sin and places it upon Jesus. And he takes the righteousness of Jesus and places it upon us so that Jesus paid the price and we don't have to. That is mercy. We deserved death, hell, separation from God forever. But God doesn't give us fully what we deserve. That's mercy. The other term we saw was grace. It is by grace that you are saved. And this not of yourselves, not something you earned. Whereas mercy is not getting what we deserve. Grace is getting what we don't deserve. 
It is the unmerited favor of God, something we haven't earned, something we never deserve, and yet God gives it to us, bestows it upon us by faith, not by works. If you had to work your way to heaven, if you had to work your way to be accepted by God, if you had to work your way in order to receive God's love, you'd never make it. It's like trying to build a bridge across the Grand Canyon with a box of toothpicks. No matter how big a box you got, you're not getting there. And yet God gave to us what we could not earn, nor did we deserve. Grace, mercy, they meet here at this table. Do we recognize the significance? Do we recognize the importance of this place and of this time? It is not just something that we do out of habit, that we do out of tradition. It is something that we do to remember. As you take the bread, you remember this is the body. As you take the cup, you remember this is the blood. And in these two, I find grace and mercy.